What's the secret to successful prayer? Pastor Xavier Reese says, See, the nature of prayer is never to change the mind of God, but rather to align ourselves with the will of God. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and in Matthew 6, 9-10, he said this, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how you pray. Prayer doesn't change the mind of God. Prayer changes people to align themselves with the will of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Whether it's a new job, marriage, the right church to go to, we're all looking for the will of God. But what happens when we try to slip in our own plan over God's? Today, Pastor Xavier addresses that issue as he continues his study from the book of Isaiah. Let's join him for today's timely message, The Perfect Will of God. Have you ever received some bad news, perhaps something related to your own health or maybe a life-threatening experience? How have you responded? It's kind of enlightening. It shows you where you're really at and how much you trust God many times. If you have, then you have had a good opportunity to see what was in your heart towards God, gaining a new perspective for life, hopefully. Like this guy one day was out there backpacking and he thought he knew the terrain and he was going for days and then he started to head back and he realized that um, after a couple of days that he, he was lost. He wasn't getting where he uh, had left his truck. So he's wandering out there aimlessly and just he's, he's out of water and everything else. He's tired so he comes towards this what he believed to be a creek and there was, he comes and it's empty and he's just disgusted. He, he, he takes his backpack off his back, he sits down on the rock, and says, oh, death, death, come, come. And all of a sudden, he feels a tap on his back. This says, yes, you call? He says, yeah, could you help me put my backpack on my back? I got to get going. <laughs> um, talk is cheap. When the rubber hits the road, then we find out how much of the road we're going to eat. <laughs> This was Hezekiah as he received news of his coming death, and it is recorded for us in three movements. Let me read the chapter, and we'll give you those three movements. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord. And said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayers, I have seen your tears, surely I will add to your days fifteen years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city." And this is a sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Behold, I will bring the shadow of the sundial, which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz, uh, ten degrees backwards. So the sun returned ten degrees on the dial by which he had, uh, it had gone down. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. I said, in the prime of my life, I shall go to the gates of Sheol. 
I am deprived of the remainder of my years, I said. I shall not see Yah, the Lord, in the land of the living. I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I have cut, cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from a loom from day until night. You make an end of me. I have considered until morning. Like a lion, so he breaks all my bones from day until night. You make an end of me. Like a crane or swallow, so I chatter. I mourn like a dove. My eyes fail from looking upward. O oh Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? He has both spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O oh Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. For shield cannot thank you, death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you as I do this day. The Father shall make known your truth to the children. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, he, we will sing my songs with string instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Now Isaiah had said, let them take a lump of fix and apply it as a, a poultice on the boil, and he shall recover. And Hezekiah said, what is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? Now, as you know, chapter 36, 37, 38, and 39 are as an interlude of, of a historical window that we look into, into the, the time of Hezekiah, and Isaiah gives it to us here. Some of this is parallel in, in Kings, and we'll give you that as we go along. But Hezekiah received news of his illness, but also of his, that he was going to die from this illness. And here the, the word is given to us and is recorded in these three movements. Uh, a real good instruction for us because we will be able to identify with him and we will be able to receive good instructions for our life in case we do come to that place, if we haven't already, in many different ways. And these are the three movements. Notice first, verse 1 through 8, and we're going to add 21 and 22 because it's explanatory of those things. The news of the extended life of Hezekiah, which was expressed through the proclamation of God, is the first movement. Then secondly, verse 9 through 14, the news of death to Hezekiah, which was expressed through lamentation to God. And then verse 15 through 20, the news of life to Hezekiah, which was expressed through an appreciation of God. And this movement flows in a very orderly manner, and it instructs us for our own life in a tremendous way. Notice first here, verse 1 through 8, the news of the extended life of Hezekiah, which was expressed through the proclamation of God. First notice verse 1. The prophet Isaiah was sent to King Hezekiah who had been taken ill. The date is believed to be around the 14th year of the reign of Hezekiah. It says in those days, this is joined with chapter 36 verse 1, the 14th year, which would make him about 38, about 701 B.C. Now, Hezekiah's illness, notice, was very severe. He was close to death. And so 
Like all illnesses, at times, they press people towards death. Every time you and I get sick, there's a potential you could die. But we don't consider it. We just believe we're going to be okay and we're going to be, you know, move on. Notice Hezekiah was told by Isaiah to set his house in order for he was going to die and not live. And you can parallel this with 2 Kings chapter 20. You get the parallel of this whole scenario there. Get your house in order. What does that mean? I think primarily it meant this. Hezekiah, get right with God. I think that's what it meant. In view of the context of our uh, record here, and we're going to see that as we move along. But secondly, to get your house affairs in order if you're going to die. And those are two good things. Make sure you're right with God and make sure that you have set your house in order and that it's always in order in case you die because you can die tomorrow. You don't know. I can die. What would happen to your wife? What would happen to your children? Is your house set in order? Have you made provisions? But the most important is, are you in order with God? Because tomorrow is promised to no one, as we'll see. Now, this, of course, was at the direction of God. Isaiah is not declaring you're going to die by himself. No man can do this. This is the direction of God. Now, notice, secondly, verse 2 and 3. The pouting king prayed to God. In verse 3, Notice first, he turns his face to the wall to pray to the Lord. Now, some think that he was simply just seeking the Lord with all his heart, while others think that he was pouting and sulking. I believe he was pouting and sulking, and I believe the internal evidence will show us that as we move along. Notice his prayer is recorded for us. He petitions God to remember how he had walked before him in truth. This most likely refers to obedience to God's word because that's what he's declaring about his obedience Hezekiah had brought about spiritual reform if you read 2 Kings 18 4 through 7 great spiritual reform so he had done some good works he had turned to God at a period in his life and he had trusted him for that but notice also he petitions God to remember how he had walked before him in a loyal heart this probably refers to his faithfulness to those things, and Hezekiah had torn down, as you know, the altars of, of the pagan altars and, and, and turned many to the worship of Yahweh. And so God understood these things, but here he's rehearsing them to him. He petitions also God to remember how he had done what, he, what was good in his sight. So in other words, it wasn't just things that people could see, but God saw the things of his heart. He saw the motive and the intention of it. This is important because oftentimes we can do things, people see them, but God doesn't understand why we did them. When we get before the Lord's judgment, he's not going to say, how much did you do? He's going to say, why did you do it? Not that he doesn't know, but he wants us to know. <laughs> Only love. Is a biblical motivation. Hezekiah had trusted the Lord for the defense of the city in the past, the destruction of Assyria. In fact, in the previous chapter, verse 1 through 7, he told him he's going to deliver the city. And he's told him that before. This probably refers to the attitude and motivation which God alone can see again. Because I can say I'm trusting God, but God knows my heart. And if it's not there, God's going to give me a test. God is not like our high school teachers. He doesn't pass you if you flunk. You have to take the test over again. Notice he wept bitterly. Certainly we can understand that receiving news of one's illness 
and that it's terminal is devastating. So we do not want to make light of death or illness at this point. We have walked through many people who have come to such a place in the body through the years. And it's a difficult time, but you have to have the Word of God to anchor you. You have to have the rudder of God to steer you. You have to have the stability of His Word, otherwise you'll be blown with the emotions and the wind and the situation of the time. The word bitterly means to weep intensely, loudly, and much. So we do not look down on this. It's our love of our expression. Our emotions are involved, but we do not make decisions, nor do we get carried away with emotionalism that makes us say and do dumb things that we know better as believers. The prayer would seem to reveal by the content that he was implying that he deserved not to die. Observe it real close. Due to his obedience, faithfulness, and righteousness. Isn't that how we are? When something happens and, and our wife says, well, you know, you, you did, wait, I was doing this for you. I've done this, I've done that. We always point to our works to try to excuse our disobedience or our slothfulness or whatever it is. That's our sin nature. That's built in. That's a defense mechanism through our fallen nature. The prayer from its content would seem to indicate that he was sulking. And he's saying, Lord, but I've done this, I've done that, as if God owed him something. You ever been there? Nah, none of us have. <laughs> Notice 30, verse 4 through 8. The prophet Isaiah received the answer from the Lord, because he went to pray. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah in verse 4. This was divine revelation to and through a man as you and myself have received God's word from the written word. As God's instrument, Isaiah goes to him. As God's instrument, I preach and teach the word of God to you. We're not adding any new books that's already established, but it's God's divine truth. This wasn't Isaiah's words. This, wasn't, this isn't an entertaining story when you can't sleep at night. This is divine revelation. This is God's divine word for your life and for mine. It's trustworthy. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. It'll change your life. Notice verse 5 and 6. The message was to be given to Hezekiah. It's very personal. Verse 5, God granted Hezekiah's prayer. God acknowledged Hezekiah as one of David's children. Go tell Hezekiah, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father. So there's this relationship. He acknowledges it as one of his own. Notice God acknowledged his prayerful petition. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. How often we've used prayer merely as an information booth for God. As if God doesn't know it. And God, you know how they did, and you know how they don't like me, and you, you know. I can see God going, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> He knows. Prayer is not an information booth for us to shout out to God. He hears, He has seen the tears. God would add to His life what? 15 years, He says. Now, at this point, verse 21 is interesting of the chapter, and it fits right here. Isaiah recommended a fig remedy for Hezekiah's healing. I'm sure at the direction of God. A lump of figs to be applied. The problem was a boil. 
that infected a circulatory system. Then Isaiah said to him, let them take a lump of figs and apply it as a poultice on the boil that he may recover. Now Hezekiah's reign is going to be doubled. Fourteenth year, fifteen more years are added to his kingdom. You get that in 2 Kings chapter 18 to 20. You get the record of his reign. Notice in verse 6, God guaranteed the deliverance of both himself and the city. The defense was from the king of Assyria, which God had promised repeatedly over and over and over again. He did it in the beginning of 37. He does it at the end of 37, verse 33 and 34. He speaks about it. He would defend the city uh, again in verse 35. He's constantly doing this, and way before this chapter. So this was already prophesied beforehand. He reaffirms it again. Not only am I going to heal you, but I'm still going to deliver you and the city. Now look, look at verse 7 and 8. The message was verified and assured by a sign. Hezekiah is the one who asked for the sign, by the way, to be assured. We don't get it here, but look at verse 22. And Hezekiah had said, what is the sign that I should go up to the house of the Lord? All right, Isaiah, you say I'm going to be healed. What's the evidence of it? 2 Kings 20, verse 11 also records it. God would be the one performing the sign, verse 7 tells us here in Isaiah, chapter 38. It would be God who did the sign, not Isaiah. Now, you remember Ahaz in chapter uh, 7, verse 12? He refused to ask a sign of God. Now, here Hezekiah asked for a sign, and God gave the sign to Hezekiah that he might believe the word of the Lord. He would turn back the sundial of who? Ahaz. Ahaz didn't want to ask a sign. Hezekiah asked for a sign, and God gives him the sign on the sundial that Ahab had built. How interesting. Making the sun go down 10 degrees, giving it a longer day. Now, this account is recorded in Kings also. But Kings tells us in 2 Kings 20, verse 5, that he was told that God would heal him, and after three days, Hezekiah would go up to the house of the Lord. And Hezekiah was told by God that he would cause the sun to go forward 10 degrees. But Hezekiah said that that was easy for the sun to do that. I don't know how you'd figure that. He says, but make it go back 10 degrees in 2 Kings 20, verse 10. Can you imagine? God gave a, a sign, and, and, and Hezekiah said, no, 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 I want, I want the reverse. Is God patient with us or what? <laughs> Isaiah cried out to the Lord, and God brought the shadow 10 degrees backwards. 2 Kings 20, verse 11 confirms. We have another account like this in Joshua chapter 10, where Joshua's fighting the enemy, and he says, son, stand still. And we have the long day, the long night. This is recorded in the Inca in the Aztec calendars, in China, throughout the world. Long as day, long as night. So God has intervened history many times, and it's recorded in secular history, not just the Bible. You remember when the sons of the prophets came to Elisha and told him that God was going to take up Elijah on a whirlwind? And Elisha was just going about his business. And Elisha said, oh, let me go. He said, no, stay here. No, no, by God, I'm going to go with you, this and that, you know. 
And Elijah just was doing the work of God, and he knew it. It wasn't news to him. And the whirlwind came, and up he went. He didn't get bummed out. He didn't get bothered by it. He just was walking with God. He was not, for God took him, even as Enoch. What a distinction from Hezekiah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> what would your response be to God if he told you to get your house in order? Maybe you've been there. Would you uh, be pouting like Hezekiah or would you accept the will of God wholeheartedly? Are you certain that you know that if you die, you will be instantly present with the Lord? Are you confident about that? 2 Corinthians 5.18 tells us. See, we can say a lot of things, but when the pressure's turned up, we find out what we really believe. And God gives us those tests. See, the nature of prayer is never to change the mind of God, but rather to align ourselves with the will of God. Don't take this passage to, to teach that you can change God's will. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and in Matthew 6, 9-10, he said this, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how you pray. Prayer doesn't change the mind of God. Prayer changes people to align themselves with the will of God. You remember the three Hebrew children? Their pagan names, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? And Nebuchadnezzar made that image, and they didn't bow down, so he's going to throw them in the fire furnace. And he said, listen, if you don't bow, you're going to burn. They had a better philosophy. They said, listen, if, if we don't bow, we can't burn. That's good. Listen to their words. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from this burning fire furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not Serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Daniel 3, 17 and 18. Now these guys believe what they were declaring. All of us will hit that test at one time or another, be it death or whatever it is. And we're going to find out. God in his own sovereignty and his sovereign will and wisdom can heal miraculously. But he also chooses to heal through conventional medicine. And he says... In this passage, that it is as good as divine. We just don't know. We know it here because we're reading it. That God healed them, and then he told them, tell them to put a little sap of figs on it. But the Bible describes it as a divine healing. How many times have people prayed to God, and God has not healed them by his sovereign choice? And so they go to the doctor, and God gives the wisdom to that doctor to take care of it. That's as good as divine healing. Now, it doesn't happen all the time. We just don't know when it does and when it doesn't. You understand? In this case, we get a little peephole, and we find out that this is one of those cases. James tells us to call the elders of the church, anoint with oil, lay hands, and God will raise that sick person up, heal them, because of the prayer of faith. Those provisions are there. We want to trust God for that. We do that, and we pray for people. And if God heals them, great. If not, go to the doctor. And if God chooses to heal you, and, and if you get healed to the doctor, it could be that God intervened. And it could be just that God allowed the natural ways to take care of. That's okay. It doesn't matter. We don't deny medical practice, okay? But here we have a great insight. 
Isaiah tells us that God miraculously did it through the poultice of, on the boil of Hezekiah's recovery here. This was divine healing, and yet it was through a remedy. Pastor Xavier Reese and the hand of God in healing. There's much more encouragement to come next time we're together, but if you won't be able to join us, you can always ask for your own copy of this message on CD for only $4. The title to ask for is The Perfect Will of God. And this is a great way to share this ministry with your family and friends. And once again, the title to ask for is The Perfect Will of God, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This way we can track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Is there really a good time for hard times we're forced to endure? That's the topic Pastor Xavier Reese covers in the next edition of Simple Truths. Don't miss it. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 